This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on iHeartRadio, the Mutual Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and, of course, Exxon Broadcast Network. And to find out all about the great programming we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Well, our guests tonight are Michael and Marty Parry. They are a unique husband and wife team who specialize in communicating with the other side. British-born medium Michael is known for the detailed evidential information he receives from the deceased. Marty, using her mediumship abilities, independently draws detailed, recognizable portraits of people in spirit. They have been working together since 1997 and have appeared on television shows such as Ghost Adventures, Psychic Investigators, Paranormal State, Ghost Stories, and Proof Positive, as well as a myriad of radio and magazine interviews. Whether in a one-on-one setting or a group of hundreds, even the staunchest skeptics have come away with a renewed perspective of life after death. Joining me now is Michael and Marty Parry, and to the both of you, hey, how's it going? Hi. Hi, Hi, Bob. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Uh, Marty. What's new with you guys? Oh, just uh, hanging in there. (laughs) Just just talking to dead people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're the only person that would tell me that, and I'd say, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah, talking to dead people. What was it like the first time you spoke to a dead person? Are you talking to Marty or me or either of us? Ladies first. Uh, well, I, I don't hear an awful lot. I, I mostly see. I do hear hear things once in a while, but uh, very short uh, little, you know, maybe I'll get a name or something. Um, but well, yeah. I, I see them very well. 
Oh, well, what was uh, it like the first time you saw a dead person? It just, I can't even remember the first time. Wow. <laughs> to tell the truth, you know, it's like something I've done all, all, all my life, really. You know, looking back, I mm-hmm. mean, we ha- I hadn't done anything with it until uh, Michael and I got together. But, right. But uh, things like when my mom died when I was 11 years old, I mm-hmm. immediately knew she was right there with me. Wow. And Michael, what was it like the first time you communicated with someone on the other side? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I've been doing it since I was about 20, um, so 40 years ago. Um, but the I suppose the, it's hard to tell when it was really full on. I suppose uh, about 22 years ago, um, about then, yeah, I, I did a, a session with a lady who, uh, who'd lost her daughter, and uh, that was when it got real, wow. real, real loud and real clear. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, they tell you things that don't make any sense sometimes, and uh, mm. she was saying gables to me, kept, kept repeating, say gables to my mum, and I, I could not figure out what it meant. I mean, to me, it just meant the end of a roof. So I, I mentioned it to her mother. I mm-hmm. said, well, this sounds crazy, but she keeps repeating Gables, and I don't know what it means. Yeah. She said, my relative wrote Anne of Green Gables, and it's my daughter's favorite book. So, uh, you know, that. Uh, then I knew what it meant. All right, listen, guys, uh, we've got to take our first commercial break. Please stand by. Exxon Nation our special guests this hour, Michael and Marty Perry. And they're a husband and wife team. And if you'd like to find out more about these two great people, www.spiritart.com. And uh, we'll both be back, all three of us, I should say, we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at com. And don't forget to check out all the great programming we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Thank you. 
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Michael and uh, Marty Perry are our special guests of this hour. Exonation www.spiritart.com. What 
what is it that you guys would would like to accomplish in the work that you do? Uh, mostly, I would like everybody to uh, realize that there is an after si- other side, an afterlife, and we don't die, and uh, that we take everything with us too. I mean, not physical things, but uh, not about you. I'm taking mine. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I just think if people really understood that and understood all about karma, that uh, people couldn't act the way that they are now. You know, it, it would have to change the whole world because mm. everybody's mindset would change. But isn't it a matter of personal choice whether a person wants to believe in the afterlife or not? Well, uh, I don't think really. I don't think really uh, belief makes any difference to a fact. I think, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's absolute beyond doubt. So if somebody says, well, I don't believe, well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. They can believe what they like. But I've had so many people come through after they've died and said, you know, I never believed in this when I was alive, but now I do. And you were right about this or that or some whatever somebody said. So, you know, people can believe the moon's green cheese, but it won't make the moon green cheese, will it? No, no, it won't, but we're talking about something that that is not seen, is not heard by the majority of people. It's based... Well, do you believe you're breathing in air? Of course I do. Do you see it? It's scientifically proven that it's there. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we prove it every day, what we do. Okay, we prove, it very, prove it to me. Prove it to me. very solid evidence. What's your evidence? Well, what do you consider evidence? Uh, sir, I asked you. You said you, Marty All said right, that. I'll you, tell you what I consider evidence. Okay. okay. Um, evidence would be facts and details that are a hundred percent accurate that cannot be mind read from a person. I mean, if I was a mind reader, that's sure. something. But um, say uh, I was talking to a deceased person. I'd never met the person sitting with me. And uh, the deceased person gave me the dates on their tombstone, uh, where it was located, what they did in life, and there would be no way on earth for me to know this. Uh, it couldn't be found on the internet, things like that. Okay. that. That, you know, if you do that over and over again, then I think it's up to the so-called scientists to figure out why. This is happening. I know why. Yeah. Happened, but they, well, they should have an open mind. All right. Why is it happening? Or like me drawing it? a picture of somebody's father that they mm-hmm. never met, didn't know their name. No one told her who the father was all her life. She never knew. And um, Michael gets the name, and uh, she, a week later, gets a, uh, a package from her aunt that uh, has the photo that matches my picture mm-hmm. with the name that Michael gave. Things like that. Or, or Michael brings through a father that the, the lady doesn't know that crossed over, and she finds out that he crossed over six hours before. Yeah, or like, um, uh, you know, we did, we, we know a lot of people that are very, very smart, professors, uh, scientists, people at NASA. FBI. A lot, yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them uh, mm-hmm. know we do what we do. Right. Uh, so we get a lot of skeptics coming to us, and that's fine. We don't mind skeptics at all. Cynics, yeah, they're you know 
you can uh, produce their mother in front of them and they wouldn't believe it. But a skeptic is good. It's always to be good to be a little skeptical. But 99.9% of the time, they don't wa- walk away skeptic. So back, the question back to you is, what would make you a believer? Scientific evidence that the, the results can be replicated in what an environment. Well, what do you mean, what do I mean? I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic. How would it replicate it? All right, let, here, I, I'll give you an example. Listen, do you want to change me from a skeptic to a believer? No, not really. Why not? <laughs> no, that's not well. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I, yeah, I'll do give you, you want to sca- change from a skeptic sure. to a believer? Sure. You. <laughs> I would. I would. Communicate with no, someone. No, but we're not out to prove it to you. Wait a sec, 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 wait a sec. Wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. I'm interested in converting people. Well, wait a sec. I had an atheist sit with me once, and I told him that his wife was by him, and she died of cancer, this particular cancer. Give her his name. Right. Give her name, what she looked like, and everything. Never met this guy in my life. He started to get very emotional. He was a complete atheist, he said. Right. He, got, he started to get emotional, and then uh, another man appeared behind him, and I said, well, mm-hmm. there's a friend of yours here called Jack, and he wants to say hello to you, and he put his hand on your shoulder, and the right. guy was a bawling wreck. Now, he became a believer for a little while, but now he's back to being an atheist again, mm-hmm. because, you know, there's obviously things he just doesn't want to accept, so what can you do? You know? well, well, doesn't an atheist <laughs> just mean he doesn't believe in a god? Yeah, not an atheist. Uh, not an atheist. Skeptic. Uh, a, a skeptic as oh, okay. far as this goes. Sorry, yeah. All right, so is there anybody around me that you can sense that you can validate this claim with? Oh, we're not going to do that on why the not? radio. We don't why? do it on the radio. Why not? We, why? Because you have to be in a certain frame of mind to do this. You have to take a little time to... Uh, raise your vibrations and they lower theirs. It's like a meeting and uh, it just doesn't work that way. So you cannot communicate with anyone on the other side that I may have around me right now? No. It's, uh, we no. don't choose to on the no. radio. Why not? Just because what? I don't want to do it on the radio. But <laughs> you see, this is this is what Feeds. This is. Wait a sec. 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 You see, welcome to do it as a regular person, and then you can go away. No, 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 no. Why? We've got to. If you want to make an appointment with us, we'd love to have you as a as a client. But why not? But why not do it on the radio? You know, and validate the statements that you make about what you can do in front of the listening audience. Well, because we told the person. Uh, setting up the radio that we would discuss anything else but we weren't going to do that kind of thing on the radio I just don't do it it's just it you know what it it does it brings it down to a level of like um trick and pony yeah it, it makes it like a, exactly it it really cheapens the whole thing in my view um you see people doing it all the time and I've, I've, right. I've listened to radio shows with these with psychics mm-hmm mediums on there yeah and it's another load of rubbish because they listen they're allowed to read the um emails that come in uh they just regurgitate all this rubbish and and it, it just it's so oh, i don't know i don't even have a word for it i just it's pathetic 
So I don't do things like that on the radio. But what this is telling the audience is that you can't do it. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. That's what you're telling the audience. No, no. Uh, I, I what opt- if I want you, you to run down the, the street naked? Yeah, would you do it? Would you do it? I've done it. Next. <laughs> no, I want you to do it right now. <laughs> On the radio while you're talking. <laughs> no, you see, what you're doing is, you, is you're deflecting. You're trying to get away no, from my point no, that you guys... Because you, guys, you don't want to do it. Does no, not wait a sec, 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 wait a sec. You made you're this, going in you, semantics. No, no, no. You made the statement yes, yes, that yes. you could communicate with the other side. I we have do. I have many people... Well, We will be doing it ne- in the next hour with a client on the phone. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to talk talk to them afterwards, I'm sure they would call you and tell you. No, I want you to prove it to me that you can actually do it. I don't have to prove it to you, and I don't want to prove it to you. That's not what we've called in for. That's well, what, what did you call in for, to promote your book? No. What did you call in no. for? All right. You asked us to be on the yeah. show. Well, yeah, sure I, I did. Call, yeah, sure I did. Okay, but listen, but listen. This is what... I was not told you were going to be... Uh, attacking us. I'm not attacking you. No, no. There's, there's You're attacking a, what we do. No, I'm saying that you say you can do something, and I'm saying prove it. That's not an attack. That's asking for validation. I guess they don't want to talk to us, and Exxon Nation, you can see why there are so many frauds and fakes in this world. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Look at that. You put people on the, on, the, on the defensive by asking them to say what they say they can do or to prove that they have the ability to do what they say they can do. And what happened here? Well, my goodness. They said that, what does their bio say? Um, you know, British-born medium Michael is known for detailed evidential information he receives from the deceased. Marty, using her mediumship abilities, independently draws detailed, recognizable portraits of people in spirit. What a bunch of bunk. You know, and oh, they know people who are in the FBI. They know people at NASA. They know this. They know that. And yet, when asked to do a reading to communicate with people on the other side that I may have around. I don't want to do that, he said. I don't want to do that because I don't have to. We weren't told. What are we supposed to do? Send him a bio of everybody that has passed in my life so he can give me a reading? What a, what a bunch of bunk. You know, and then people wonder why so many people people don't believe what they're being sold. Oh, well, wait a minute. They, they are having somebody uh, on later after we, uh, we get off the show from them. And, um, and what was that? Oh, I could call them up. They wouldn't mind. And I'm sure that they would be given a nice little slew of information to share with us. But that's not what this is about. It's, it's truth time. You know, you say you can communicate with the dead, prove it. If you can't prove it, don't waste my time. 
And what was it they said here that they wanted to promote? They'd like to talk about our, we would like to talk about our book. And they give us the name of the book to promote. Get a life. Jesus. You know, they want us to promote their book, but they will not validate the claims that they are making. They have a lot to learn about reality and real radio. Not these little chintzy podcasts that every Tom, Dick, and moron are doing these days. But what the people want to hear, what listeners deserve to hear, if you're going to make a claim, prove it. I am so tired of people making all these claims that they cannot prove that it's about time they put up or shut up. And of course, these two people will be going into the X-Zone order of woo-woos. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell, and you know what? These kind of people just make it bad for anyone out there who can do what they say they can do. I'll be back. Don't go away. personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. 
Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. In 1947, Kenneth Arnold was flying over the Cascade Mountains in Washington State in search of a missing plane when he spotted what he claimed were nine disc-shaped craft. He calculated them to be moving at speeds of 1,200 miles per hour, far faster than any human-built aircraft of the 1940s could manage. When he talked to reporters after the flight, Arnold said the crafts moved like a saucer skipping over water, and the newspaper editor, hearing the description, called the objects flying saucers. Thus, the expression flying saucers entered the English language, and a UFO craze much like the one that followed Orson Welles' 1938 broadcast of War of the Worlds swept the country. It was in this atmosphere that William Mack Brazil made an unusual discovery. On July 8, 1947, while riding across his ranch 26 miles outside of Roswell, New Mexico, he came across some mysterious wreckage, sticks, foil paper, tape, and and other debris. Brazel had never seen anything like it, but UFOs were on his mind. He'd read about Arnold's sighting in the newspaper and heard about a national contest offering $3,000 to anyone who recovered a flying saucer. He wondered if he had stumbled across just the kind of evidence the contest organizers were looking for. Brazel gathered a few pieces of the stuff and showed it to his neighbors, Floyd and Loretta Proctor. The Proctors didn't know what it was either, and neither did George Wilcox, the county sheriff. So Brazel contacted officials at the nearby Roswell Army Air Force Base to see if they could help. The next day, an Army intelligence officer named Jesse Marcel went out to Brazel's ranch to have a look. He was as baffled as everyone else was. I saw small bits of metal, he recalled to reporters years later, but mostly we found some material that's hard to describe. Some of it looked very much like parchment, and some of it consisted of square sticks as long as four feet. Much was metallic. The stuff was also surprisingly light. Brazel later estimated that all the scraps together didn't weigh more than five pounds. 
Marcel and his assistant had no trouble loading all the debris into their cars and driving it back to the Roswell base. The next day, Marcel took it to another base in Fort Worth, Texas, where it was further examined. Now, was the wreckage from outer space? Brazel and Proctors examined some of the degree before giving it to the military. Although it seemed flimsy at first, it was extremely resilient. We tried to burn it, but it would not ignite, Loretta recalled. We tried to cut it and scrape at it, but a knife wouldn't touch it. It looked like water plastic, but back then we did not have plastic. Back then we figured it doesn't look like a weather balloon. I don't think it was something from Earth, Loretta Proctor said. And then there's the military's about face. The morning after the military took possession of the wreckage, the media relations officer at Roswell hand-delivered a news release to the two radio stations and newspaper in town. The release stated that the object found in Brazel's field was a flying saucer. It was the first time in history that the U.S. military had ever made such a claim. A few hours later, though, the military changed its story. It issued a new press release claiming that the wreckage was that of a weather balloon carrying a radar target, not a flying disc. But it was too late. The newspaper deadline had already passed. They ran the first news release on the front page under the headline, Air Force Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. Other newspapers picked up the story and ran with it as well. Within 24 hours, news of the military's capture spread around the world. Interest in the story was so great that the next day, Brigadier General Roger Ramey, commander of the U.S. 8th Air Force, had to hold a press conference in Fort Worth in which he had again stated that the recovered object was only a weather balloon and a radar target that was suspended from it. He even displayed the wreckage for reporters and allowed them to photograph it. And then there was Mark Brazel's unusual behavior. Mark Brazel refused to talk about the incident for the rest of his life, even with the members of his immediate family, except to say that... Whatever the wreckage was, it wasn't any type of balloon. So then why the silence? His son Bill explains, The Air Force asked him to take an oath that he wouldn't tell anyone in detail about it. My dad was such a guy that he went to his grave and never told anyone. Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt, authors of UFO Crash at Roswell, claim that shortly after Brazel made his famous discovery, his neighbors noticed a change in his lifestyle. He suddenly seemed to have more money. When he returned, he drove a new pickup truck. He also had the money to buy a new house in uh, Tularosa, New Mexico, and a new meat locker. Randall and Schmidt allege that the military may have paid Brazel for his silence, or was this the money from the members of the media anxious for a sensationalistic story? Trust me, today if the government announced that it had captured a UFO, even if it was mistaken, and tried to change its story a few hours later by claiming it was really a weather balloon, nobody would buy it. But people were more trusting in the years following World War II. Amazingly, the story died anyway. As Davis of Bull writes, The Army's announcement of the weather balloon explanation ended flying saucer excitement. All mention of the craft dropped from the newspapers, from military records, and from the national consciousness, and even from the talk of the town in Roswell. Even the Roswell Daily Record, which broke the story in the first place, was satisfied with the military's explanation. A few days later, it ran a headline that was even bigger than the first one. General Ramey empties Roswell saucer. The Roswell story would have probably stayed dead if Stanton Friedman, a nuclear physicist, hadn't lost his job during the 1970s. 
UFOs were Friedman's hobby until he got laid off, and then it became his career. In the 1970s, when the bottom fell out of the nuclear physics business, he explains, I went full-time as a lecturer. His favorite topic? Flying saucers are real. A talk he gave at more than 600 different college campuses and other venues around the country. In his years on the lecture circuit, Friedman developed a nationwide reputation as a UFO expert, and people who'd seen UFOs began seeking him out. In 1978, he made contact with Jesse Marcel, the Army intelligence officer who retrieved the wreckage from Mark Brassel's ranch 31 years earlier. At Friedman's urging, Marcel gave an interview to the National Enquirer. I'd never seen anything like it, Marcel told the supermarket tabloid. I didn't know what we were picking up. I still believe it was nothing that came from Earth. It came to Earth, but not from Earth. The Enquirer interview couldn't have come at a more opportune time. It was 1979 and Steven Spielberg's film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which had premiered several months earlier, had stoked the public's appetite for UFO stories. After lying dormant for more than 30 years, the Roswell story blew wide open all over again. From there, the story kept growing. Dozens of new witnesses to the Roswell UFO began seeking out Friedman at his public appearances to tell him their stories. So the Roswell cover-up included humanoid alien beings. Over the years, Joe Nickel writes in Skeptical Inquirer, Numerous rumors, urban legends, and outright hoaxes have claimed that saucer wreckage and the remains of its humanoid occupants were stored at a secret facility, the non-existent Hangar 18, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. People swear that small corpses were topsied at that or another site. Now, for the record, neither Mark Brazel nor Jesse Marcel ever claimed to see aliens among the crash. No one went public with those claims until 30 years after the fact. So why do people believe in Roswell? I guess we have to ask, why are UFO conspiracy stories so popular? Anthropologists who study the Roswell myth point out two psychological factors that help it endure. Number one, it appeals to a cynical public that lived through the Kennedy assassination, Watergate, Vietnam, and other government crises and who believe in the government's proclivity for covering things up. As Time magazine reported on the 50th anniversary of the Roswell incident, A state of mind develops which easily believes in cover-ups. The fact that the military is known for covert activities with foreign governments having to do with weapons which could wipe out humanity makes the idea of secret interactions with aliens seem possible. Once the state of mind is in place, anything which might prove the crash was terrestrial becomes a lie. Number two, UFO theories project a sense of order onto the chaos of the universe, and they even serve as an ego boost to true believers because they suggest that we are interesting enough that aliens with their vastly superior intelligence actually bother to visit us. Believing in aliens, the argument goes, is much more satisfying than believing that the aliens are out there but would never want to visit us. So, is the government hiding evidence of an alien crash landing on Earth? In 1993, Congressman Stephen Schiff of New Mexico asked the U.S. government's General Accounting Office to look into whether the U.S. government had ever been involved in a space alien cover-up either in Roswell, New Mexico or any place else. The GAO spent 18 months searching government archives dating back to the 1940s, including even highly classified minutes of the National Security Council. Their research prompted the U.S. Air Force to launch its own investigation. It released its finding in September 1994. 
The GAO's report followed in November 1995, then a second Air Force report was released in 1997. All three reports arrived at the same conclusion. What the conspiracy theorists believe were UFO crashes were actually top-secret research programs run by the U.S. military during the Cold War. Take Roswell. According to the reports, the object that crashed on Mark Brazel's farm was a balloon. But no ordinary weather balloon. It was part of Project Mogul, a defense program as top-secret as the Manhattan Project itself. Unlike the Manhattan Project, however... Project Mogul wasn't geared toward creating nuclear weapons. It was geared toward detecting them if the Soviets detonated them. In the late 1940s, the U.S. had neither spy satellites nor high-altitude spy planes that they could send over the Soviet Union to see if Stalin's crash program to build nuclear weapons was succeeding. Instead, government scientists figured trains of weather balloons fitted with special sensing equipment, if launched high enough into the atmosphere, might be able to detect the shock waves given off by nuclear explosions thousands of miles away. Project Mogul was such a program, the reports explained, and the object that crashed on Mark Brazel's field in 1947 was Flight R-4, a Mogul balloon trains that had been launched from Alamogordo Army Airfield near the Roswell base in June 1947. The train of 20 balloons was tracked to within 17 miles of Mark Brazel's ranch. Shortly afterward, radar contact was lost, and the balloons were never recovered, at least not by the folks at Alamogordo. The Roswell intelligence officers who recovered the wreckage didn't have high enough security clearance to know about Project Mogul, and thus they didn't inform Alamogordo of the discovery. On the whole, the program was successful. Project Mogul apparently did detect the first Soviet nuclear blasts, even so, the project was discontinued when scientists discovered that such blasts could have been detected on the ground, making the balloon-borne sensors unnecessary. The project was discontinued in the early 1950s. The Air Force's 1997 report suggested that a number of other military projects that took place in the 1940s and the 1950s became part of the Roswell myth. In the 1950s, the Air Force launched balloons as high as 19 miles into the atmosphere and dropped human dummies to test parachutes for pilots of the X-15 rocket plane and the U-2 spy plane. The dummies, the Air Force says, were sometimes mistaken for aliens, and because it didn't want the real purpose of the test to be revealed, it did not debunk the alien theories. Some balloons also dropped mock interplanetary probes, which looked like flying saucers. In one 1959 balloon crash, a serviceman crashed a test balloon 10 miles northwest of Roswell and suffered an injury which caused his head to swell considerably. The serviceman was transferred to Wright-Patterson in Ohio for treatment. The incident, the Air Force says, helped inspire the notion that aliens have large heads and that the aliens or alien corpses are being held at Wright-Patterson for study. Do the GAO and the Air Force reports satisfy people who previously believed that the object was a UFO? Mm -mm, not a chance. It's a bunch of paps, says Walter G. Hutt, who worked at the Roswell base and after World War II distributed the famous Flying Saucers news release in 1947 and became the president of the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell. All they've done is given us a different kind of balloon. Then it was weather, and now it's mogul. Basically, I don't think anything has changed. Excuse my cynicism, but let's quit playing games. Okay, let's quit playing games. What would Roswell, New Mexico be today without the alleged UFO crash of 1947?
What would the people who give lectures about Roswell, write books about Roswell, and now video DVD productions do without Roswell's alleged crash? What would they do? Roswell, New Mexico is a cash cow in the middle of nowhere based on a myth by people, for the most part, who have never seen a UFO, but who have become self-proclaimed experts because of their ability to tell a good story. The truth of the Roswell incident has been told, but believers deny the truth and live in their own little world of alien fantasy. When aliens and extraterrestrials walk in, logic and reality walks out. For the Exxon, I am Rob McConnell. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul-balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, 
the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Joining me now from Saskatchewan, somewhere between Calgary and Regina, is a gentleman who has a very interesting story to share with us. Joining me now is uh, Codename Thai, and uh, Thai, welcome to the Exxon. Hi, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Now, you've got a very interesting story to tell. Uh, You called me off air uh, about a week ago, and uh, the story has truly interested me. And I'd like you to share your story with our listeners. Uh, I wrote a book about it first, Rob. I was given permission, verbal permission, to go ahead and become a public person. Now, when you say given permission, who are you given permission by? Uh, by the CIA. All right. Verbal permission. Now, wait a second here. Hold on. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are saying, wait a minute, he's in Saskatchewan. What does Thai have to do with the CIA? Uh, well, I was born with the Christ gene or God's gene, and I was registered with it when I was four years old. Now, the Christ gene, is, is that unique? Uh, yeah, it is, I guess. <laughs> Very unique because we're all classified people that were born with it. Are, are you tracked by the security agencies? Are you considered to be a threat to national security? Uh, no, I'm okay. I had clearance uh, a few years ago to go right up to the Prime Minister. That's interesting, and yet I'm sure people are saying, yeah, it's also very far-fetched. No, uh, it isn't. All right, tell me your story. Tell our listeners your story. Well, um... I actually wrote a book about it. And what's your book called? Uh, it's called Virginity. Okay. It comes from the book of Revelations. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I was in a car accident in 1994, and then shortly after that, I was told that I was born with the Christ gene, and that I'm in a CIA UFO program for people born with this condition that they believe are the maybe the second Christ. Uh-huh. And uh, <clears throat> we're uh, given a code name into it. Mine was David of the Bright Morning Star. That's just the word that they use. You actually uh, fill out papers and stuff here in Canada through the Secret Service up here. And in this program, uh, we use a roadmap for modern times mm-hmm. and the Bible and the ability to communicate with the Elohim UFOs. Have you ever seen a UFO? Oh, piles of them, yep. How do you communicate with them? Oh, I was born that way. Is it telepathically? Yeah. I'm, I have a fourth level of perception. And um, I was first found out to be able to do that when I was about four years old. Like for, you know, back in the 50s, all they had to do was take a genetic test, mm-hmm. and they'd find out that you had this gene, and then they would register you as a UFO person, and then they would protect your identity, which I've appreciated. Well, that's why we're calling you Thai. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. my identity has always been protected, but however, over the years, you know, people see the odd thing and stuff, so... Now, what is the connection between the CIA, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, and extraterrestrials? Well, they've, uh, they've always had something to do with the OM ever since the 1950s. There's been contact made, oh, decades ago. Do they pose the, when I say they, do the aliens oppose any threat to the security and safety of Earth? Uh, well, the OM aren't aliens to begin with. They're humans, just small humans. And uh, they actually, at times, work with our secret services. Could these Elohim be 
interpreted as the gods of the past? Absolutely, 100%. So what we're doing is we're actually tying in the extraterrestrial uh, biblical connection. Well, there's a big mistake here, uh, Rob, when you use extraterrestrial, or, you know, when you talk about aliens and stuff like that. Okay. First off, there is two different species. There's one that's extremely friendly with humans, which are our creators. Right. And then there's uh, the other ones that the system calls the Greys, which are aliens, and they're not terribly friendly with humans. So the whole system, the UFO system, is covered up by our government, say, because on one sense, maybe 90% of the UFOs are friendly and maybe 10% of them aren't. Now, these Elohim, or Elohim as you call them, Elohim, yeah. where do they originate from? Um, well, all indications are they must come from Virgos, constellation Virgos, or Virginus. So by calling them aliens or extraterrestrials, if they didn't come from Earth, then they are in fact ETs or aliens, right? Well, they're humans, just like us. All right, so they are human in appearance, but ET in origin. How's that? Well, well, I don't look at them that way, no. All right. Uh, you obviously have had uh, continuous contact with them? Um, yes, ever since I was a little boy. How do they treat you? How do you know where they are? How, do you know when they're coming to visit? Yeah, you can usually uh, just sense them or I can bring them down on occasion. Or if somebody's, <clears throat> like if somebody's really sick or injured or something like that, I'll use them for that. How do you use them? Um, well, it's all explained in my book. It's, uh, it's the same condition that Jesus Christ had and it's the same condition that King David had. The laying of hands. It's more complex than that. Uh, psychologists and psychiatrists are aware of the condition and everything is known about it, eh? Uh, it's just not available to the general public. You're listening to The Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. Joining me now from somewhere in Saskatchewan is Thai. Thai claims to have the Christ gene in him. Uh, apparently he's registered with the CIA, the Canadian Security Intelligence Services, and is able to communicate with, uh, are they our creators? That's correct, yes. Now, uh, there are many theories out there about Planet X being the planet that circles within our solar system, so on, and this is where certain people within the world of ufology believe that the aliens who created Earth are from. Is there a connection between the people that you communicate with and Planet X? No, there isn't. Would this be another species apart from those, or, uh, or, no. or do your contacts say, listen, there is no Planet X? No, these are the, these are the angels of the Bible, and they're associated with people who are born with the Christ gene and the Christ gene comes from uh, the Dead Sea area. It's a very ancient Jewish gene mutation. Mm -hmm. um, they know that it skips five generations. So five generations ago, I had an ancestor that was the same as me. And uh, my, I'm a carrier of this gene, and my children are a carrier of this gene, and mm -hmm. apparently, I think both my parents must have had it. So uh, part of this gene is uh, you have a fourth level of perception, a high level of perception. So you're rated in the world population with perception. To your knowledge, uh, Thai, how many other people are there out there today with this gene and who are um, actually part of the Secret Service and uh, most, uh, CIA? Most people, Rob, that uh, have this gene uh, work for the CIA or the Secret Services. Uh, we're very sought after for remote viewers and stuff like that. Eh? Aren't you afraid for your own security and your own safety and the safety of your family by going public? It's the only way I can protect my family now. What do you think is going to happen to you once the people in the CIA and the CSIS find out that you've gone public and have actually blown the lid off of the government conspiracy? I have their permission. Wait a minute. 
they want you to go public? That's correct, yes. Why? They want the information out. Well, why wouldn't they just do a press conference, bring people in, and have it done that way? Because, Rob, we're the guys that get the intelligence from. We're the guys that tell them. They're intelligence agencies. Right. They're gathering agencies. Now, they have to get the information from people like me. Okay, uh, all right, but if, you're, information. but if you're watching the news, it's the president who comes out and makes the big announcements, and by his side are his intelligence directors and his, uh, his director of FBI, his uh, secretary of defense, but he makes the statement. So why wouldn't the government come out and have you, the remote viewers, or those born with a Christ gene, standing side by side with them at a press conference and where they can answer questions and add credibility to your statements that it to me it looks like they're hanging you out to dry well that's why i'm the lamb <laughs> i'm the first one to come out uh, there's another reason why i'm coming out i have a fatal injury and i'm not expected to live that long so i would uh, i'd like to have the truth out rob what kind of injury is it uh, is it something that was sustained while working for these people no i had a car accident here's a question and please don't take it wrong how nope. come you the people or the the elohim cannot help you and cannot well they have if my all of my uh, medical records were released mm -hmm. my genetics were released to the general public it would show beyond a shadow of a doubt that i'm not a true homo sapien i differ in the nervous system and the brain system from a homo sapien and that's what the genetic condition does so i can sustain and, and still stay alive with a fatal injury that an ordinary person can't that's because i use about uh, 35 45 percent more of my consciousness than an ordinary person <laughs> and it's caused from genetics have you ever had your iq tested well, i'm just average how can somebody walking down the street tell by looking at you or the others who have the Christ gene that you're special? Oh, nobody could tell. No. That's right. why we're kept a secret. Have I could not have enjoyed an ordinary life if uh, it was released mm -hmm. back when I was a kid. Tell me, have you uh, worked on any government projects, uh, for example, remote viewing looking for bin Laden or working to... Uh, to no, nothing like no. that. Well, uh, the only other involvement I had was I ran uh, uh, farm groups and stuff. And I was involved for a while with uh, people that were undercover RCMP. But I've never done, other than uh, supplying information and, and stuff like that, I've never done anything like this. Well, I've done some work for archaeologists and stuff. Tell us about your book. When do you expect your book to be coming out? Uh, oh, probably in a month to six weeks. And where will our listeners be able to pick up a copy? Well, I should be getting a publishing contract or something like that. If not, I'll be uh, promoting the book myself. I'll tell you what, Thai, as soon as your book is published, do give me a call. Okay. We'll get you back on the air, and we'll help you promote and get the truth out there. How's that? In fact, what we'll do is we'll also give you your own webpage on our uh, our website. How's that? Oh, uh, that sounds pretty good. I actually have written up what uh, the basis of my book is. Would you like to share with us? Sure. Okay, uh, my book is called Virginity, and it's based on the uh, book of Revelations, and it identifies two places in Israel for the end times. That's the end times of the Christian faith, not the end times of the world, like Christian leaders are telling you. The end times is the end of the, uh, of the Christian faith itself. Christ is the beginning, and Christ is the end, the Alpha and the Omega. The Christ gene, or God's gene, comes from the house of David and genetically mutates the brain and nervous system, as I told you before. And they know beyond a shadow of a doubt it came from a small village near Jerusalem by the Dead Sea. So that is the actual place where the messianic jerusalem will land like the bride of christ that is spoken about in the last page of the bible or in i should say uh, revelations 21 in the bible so the cia program the christ gene program 
was set up to find the person in the world population that they believe can actually bring heaven to earth. So that person has to have the Christ gene, okay, which is comes from the house of David. Right. And they have to be a registered UFO person with the alone, which I am. Now, is there any connection between uh, uh, what you're doing and the Raelian movement? Uh, the Raelian movement is a religion. Okay. You know, it's, um, I, um, he's the same as me. Uh, he's uh, what we're called Mephilin, actually, from the Bible, right? He's right about a lot of things, but uh, the Raelian movement is actually a religion. I'm not a religion. I'm uh, more somebody that wants to get the Christian faith, you know, to turn around and, and go in the right direction, eh? So you just want to be out there to help people? Uh, that's right. All right, bye. We've got to go for now, but uh, we'll be talking to you soon, I hope. Let us know how your book does. Once again, good luck to you. Okay. 